Uh, as you do, I'm just going to pray one more time. Father, I pray that you would use your word and you would use my words to transform our hearts and our lives, that we might glorify you. God, be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever prayed for something big? Have you ever prayed or even just hoped for something that seemed so great that common sense would say it was impossible? There was young, once a young German missionary named George Mueller. He went to Bristol, England in 1832, and he felt called to start a house for orphans there. But there were a few problems. He had no money, no building, and no one to take care of the children. On December 5th, 1835, he writes in his journal, I asked the Lord for a building, 1,000 pounds, and suitable individuals to take care of the children. Two days later, he writes, I received the first shilling for the orphan house. He would need 20,000 shillings in total. Four months later, the orphan house opened with 17 children. God had given everything George prayed for and more without him ever specifically asking anyone other than God for money or anything else. In today's verse, Jesus teaches us to pray for something so great that it may have seemed impossible to those listening, for God's kingdom to come. Please stand if you're able, and let's read Matthew 6.10 together. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the word of God. You can be seated. In our evening services recently, we've been working through the Lord's Prayer, one verse at a time. To remind you of the context, we learn in Matthew 4 that Jesus has been preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. At this point, he gives a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, and he teaches his followers how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Our verse tonight is the second verse of this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Our main idea this evening is this, pray for God's kingdom to come, knowing that it comes at great cost, but also with great joy. Again, pray for God's kingdom to come, knowing that it comes at great cost, but also with great joy. Our first point is that God's kingdom comes. God's kingdom comes. The first phrase of this verse is, your kingdom come. What does it mean, your kingdom come? What is the kingdom of God? I've never lived under a king. I'm guessing most of us haven't. But think about the history of God's people. When God delivered Israel from slavery to Egypt, they were to live as a holy people under God's rule and reign. God was meant to be their king. But Israel rejected God as king and asked for an earthly king instead. Saul became their king, then David. And God promised David that one of his descendants would reign as the eternal king. We now know that eternal king is Jesus Christ. So now when we talk about God's kingdom, we shouldn't think of a certain geographical region. God's kingdom is not confined to a certain place or time or a certain race of people. 
we can think of God's kingdom as God's saving rule and reign. God's kingdom is God's saving rule and reign. Jesus reigns at the right hand of the Father, and he reigns over all those who trust in him. So wherever in the world there are faithful Christians or faithful churches, God's kingdom is there. Psalm 146 gives us a picture of what God's kingdom is like. It says about the Lord, He remains faithful forever, executing justice for the exploited and giving food to the hungry. The Lord frees prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects resident aliens and helps the fatherless and the widow but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Many people in this world put their hope in a certain president or a certain mayor or a certain CEO or boss. They say, if only that person were in charge, then all would be right. But what is needed most of all in all of these situations is for God's kingdom to come, for Jesus to be king. And we're not just hoping that Jesus becomes king. He already is king over all of heaven and all of earth. So then how should we pray for his kingdom to come? Brothers and sisters, we should pray that people all over the world hear and see Jesus for who he is. The mighty king who is gentle and humble, full of mercy and grace. That people everywhere would turn away from sin and believe in Jesus and enter his kingdom. That Christians would walk with Jesus more closely and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we would see what is spoken of in Psalm 146, justice for the exploited and food for the hungry. That the entire creation would be restored. We pray your kingdom come. Church, we should pray like this, not just about our own wants and needs, but about God's kingdom, about his purposes. Notice that Jesus puts this at the beginning of his prayer, even before asking for our daily bread. In your prayer life, do you prioritize praying about God's kingdom coming? I think Jesus is challenging us to do just this, to seek first the kingdom of God. This brings us to our next point. God's kingdom results in obedience. God's kingdom results in obedience. The next phrase of the prayer is, your will be done. This prayer, your will be done, is both expansive and personal. When we pray, your will be done, we're asking God to carry out his plans in the world. He's gathering a people for himself from every nation. He's setting free all of creation from sin and death. But also, do you see the connection between your kingdom come and your will be done? Part of God's kingdom coming is that his people do his will, that we obey him. For example, we might think about a football team. For the team to win, the team has to be committed to their coach's game plan. The coach calls a play, the team runs that play. In a similar way, if we have trusted in Christ, we are part of God's kingdom. And we have to be committed to doing God's will. We have to sometimes put aside our own will, 
our own plans in order to obey God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus knew this reality well. Think about Jesus praying in the garden before his death. He understood that he was about to drink the cup of wrath for our sins and be separated from God, his Father. He prayed, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He prayed again, my Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. We know what happened next. God required Jesus to drink the cup, and Jesus obeyed even to his own death. We also know what happened after. Jesus rose. Hear how Philippians 2 puts it. God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Jesus became the king of God's kingdom. Church, we should pray to our Father, your will be done in the world and your will be done in our lives. Sometimes our will doesn't line up with God's will. And when this happens, Jesus in the garden showed us what we should do. We should pray, your will be done. This is not an easy prayer, and God doesn't expect it to be an easy prayer. It wasn't easy for Jesus. But we should pray, your will be done in our lives, in our career plans, in our church, in our singleness or in our marriage, even in our sufferings, your will be done. But how do we do God's will? How do we obey God as our king? Should we rely on our own willpower and strength? No. We can only enter God's kingdom and obey him through Jesus' grace. Through Jesus' death and resurrection by faith. Apart from Jesus, all of us were dead, spiritually dead. We did not obey God. We lived according to the ways of the world. Whatever our bodies or minds wanted to do, we did. Then what? Ephesians 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. If you're here and you recognize that you have not been obeying God, this grace is for you. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, God offers you forgiveness. Because of Jesus' resurrection, God offers you new life, walking in sweet obedience to him. And this is amazing. He offers you even more. Ephesians 2 continues, He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? We are not only welcomed into God's kingdom, we are seated with the king, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we would be content to be a doorkeeper in the house of our God. But God gives us a special seat next to Jesus himself. All of this by his grace. So far, we have seen that God's kingdom results in obedience. There's a cost to God's kingdom coming. It costs Jesus' life, and it costs ours also. We have to repent. We have to give up our worldly ways and our selfish desires. We have to repent not just once, but every day as God shows us our sin. 
But brothers and sisters, this cost is nothing compared to the joy that God's kingdom brings. This brings us to our last point. God's kingdom brings heaven to earth. God's kingdom brings heaven to earth. Listen to our verse again. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The verse ends with the phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. The idea of this phrase is that in heaven, God's kingdom is already fully present and his will is done perfectly. We are asking for the same to be true on earth and it will be true on earth. Isn't that amazing? Here on earth where life can bring such sorrow and hurt, on earth where things sometimes seem so ordinary and plain, where our bodies groan and ache for reasons we can't identify, into this earth, heaven is breaking through, on earth as it is in heaven. Let this reality shape the way we pray and the way we live. May our lives be consumed by heavenly things, not by earthly things. That we would be captivated by God's beauty, not always distracted and entertained by music and television. Let us show God's love by serving one another. Let's share the good news of the kingdom. And let's teach our children to follow Jesus. May we worship God with sincere hearts and may we be filled with the hope of heaven in every situation because our king will return. Brothers and sisters, when the kingdom of heaven comes to earth, what joy it will bring. When the kingdom of heaven comes, those who mourn will be comforted. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. We will see God. We will no longer have to ask God to help us do his will because all sin and temptation will be gone. We will no longer cry tears of sadness because God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death itself will be no more. We will no longer say, where is God? Because God will again walk with us. This is why Hebrews 12, 2 says about Jesus, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray for God's kingdom to come, knowing that it comes at great cost, but also with great joy. George Mueller prayed for something big, that God would give him what he needed to start an orphan house, and God gave him everything he asked for. Jesus tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can be sure that God will answer this prayer. Let's pray. We pray, our Father in heaven, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Father, that your kingdom is already coming and you have given us a good king, Jesus. We're sorry for all the ways we've put our own will before yours. Forgive us, please. Help us be willing to give up earthly things so that we may gain Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me and sing?